0: we've made it to week 10 week 10 of revelation and as we're in week 10 of revelation we're into the now third part of the outline given in revelation chapter 1 verse 19 where jesus tells john write down what you have seen write down what is and write down what is to come what you have seen was chapter one what is was the seven letters that we have spent the last seven weeks on chapters two and three and what is to come is the fun part that everybody loves about revelation and we start that today we've arrived there but before we jump into this all-important part of the letter i want to ask you a question after we've come off of the seven letters and if you were here with us if you've watched online if you have just ever gone through the seven letters the question i have for is this is how did what jesus said to those churches affect you how did what jesus said to those churches affect you and how did it affect our church how do we respond to the challenges from jesus how do we respond to the challenges to return to our first love to not compromise the gospel message to not tolerate false teachings and false doctrines in the church or even to know what false doctrines and false teachings are not to slide into spiritual death not to be lukewarm in our following of jesus how do we respond to that challenge how do we respond to the corrections from jesus to repent to turn from ourselves to turn from our ways to turn from our thinking to trust him with all our hearts all our soul all our mind to hold on to him in the good and the bad times to be passionate or zealous for him how do we respond and not just how did we respond how do we continue to respond how will we continue i ask that because our response is incredibly important in our lives as well as the lives of our churches that are represented even in this room why it's because of who jesus is it's because of who jesus is you know if you've been with us in person or if you've been with us online or really ever heard these seven letters you probably know at the beginning of each one of those letters jesus tells you who he is He tells each church something different. To the church at Ephesus, he said, I hold the seven stars and I walk among the lampstands. What he's saying here is, is he is in control and he is here. He is here with us even today. Do we believe that and how do we respond? The second church he talked to is the church at Smyrna. And he said, I am the first and the last who died and came to life. Basically saying Jesus has authority over time, and even more importantly, he has authority over life and death. To Pergamum, he said, I have a double-edged sword. He says, I am the true and righteous judge. To Thyatira, he said, he had the eyes of fire and the feet like bronze, which was about knowing all, his omniscience, and the all-powerful, he's omnipotent. To Sardis, he said, he had the seven spheres of God and the seven stars. Jesus is everywhere, omnipresent, and he's also Perfect, that number of seven being perfection. To Philadelphia, he said this holy and true, that he is the key of David to open and shut the door. More or less, holy and true means he is set apart. He's not like us. And he's not some false, made up deity that we make up in our minds. And he is the authority over all things. And to Laodicea. Laodicea, he says, I am the amen and I am the originator. As he said that, he says, He is the truth. And we can trust that his plan that he started will end up exactly the way that he wanted it to whether we agree with it or not each of those churches heard who jesus is and each of them heard from his mouth to john through a letter to each of them the great thing has been preserved for thousands of years so we can see it too but again as we see it as we read it how do we respond how do we respond to who jesus is in our lives i even have a better question for you who is jesus to you who is jesus to you because some people think oh he's just a prophet oh he's he's just a good man that had good teachings that was written about in the past and to others he is the lord and savior who is jesus to you see bruce gave me the opportunity to open up the d now weekend and as we opened it up the theme was next next steps next steps and one of the things i challenged the youth with on that opening night was each of us have to take a next step and one of those next steps is actually making your faith your own truly answering who jesus is to you because the reality is many people think the question is well who is jesus to your mom or your dad or your grandparents or your co-workers that isn't the question the question is very specific who is jesus to you when you look in your bible what do you see about jesus when you look throughout all 66 books but especially in this book of revelation who is jesus to you is jesus in control do you believe that he's in control is jesus the authority over all and all includes you is he your authority is he the way that he says he is is he the truth that he says he is is he the life that he says he is is he holy is he true is he the perfect and righteous judge that every single person will kneel before someday who is jesus to you you know it's a question we all have to answer a question we all have to answer whether you want to or not because your answer is in the way that you live your answer is in the way that you live because your life screams who Jesus is to you who is Jesus to you is your life saying one thing and your mouth saying something different what does your life say is it saying he's your all? Or is it saying he's just your Sunday thing? Is he your all or is he just your Sunday thing? I see a lot of churches that we've looked at over the last seven weeks. He was just a Sunday thing and it showed. It showed in their compromise. It showed in their loss of their first love. It showed in their tolerance for false teachings. It showed really in their spiritual temperature and even so much so their spiritual death. I ask who Jesus is to you because who Jesus is to you will drive how you worship it will drive who you worship are you going to worship yourself or are you going to worship god how what comes first why is it out of love and obedience or out of obligation why how who who is jesus to you and even to expand that question who is god to you who is god to you see the true gospel of jesus dramatic pause The true gospel of Jesus is a transforming gospel. When it comes into our lives, we are changed. We are changed. We are rescued from the power of sin. We're removed from darkness. Our eyes are open, and our eyes are open both to the truth of who Jesus is and the lies of the world. When the gospel comes into us, that is what happens. It happens, and when it does, everything that's important to us in our lives changes. Everything that we give our time to changes. Everything that we give our resources to changes. What we give worth to changes. Worth is basically the whole idea of worship. It's like worship. Who are you giving your worth to? The next question for this morning is even tougher to answer today than it would have been last Sunday. Is Jesus worthy of our worship? is jesus worthy of our worship and i say this question is harder to answer today because since last sunday many in this room have been affected by tragedy many in this room have been affected by tragedy and what i found out is when we are affected by tragedy it affects our view of who god is and who jesus is to us and when it affects our view that again drives who and how and why we worship i had this discussion with kyle this week because we were literally working on revelation four and five that jesus is worthy to be worshiped on monday and then everything changed on tuesday at least in our own lives and in your lives and the worthiness of god and the songs that we sang we would already laid out on monday the blessed be your name we'd already talked about that blessed be your name no matter what that was monday a thousand hallelujahs which means a thousand praises of joy to who god is was on monday great are you lord was on monday but here's the thing as tuesday happened kyle and i were sitting and talking with tears in our eyes and said how can we sing these songs after what happened how can we sing these songs about the greatness of God after what happened? And I had to answer him the same way. I had to answer my own similar questions about even giving a message on the worthiness of God. And that is this, was he worthy last Sunday? Was he worthy on Monday? What changed on Tuesday? He didn't. He did not change our circumstances may change but he does not as a matter of fact if you go back to the book of revelation in the first chapter in verse eight it says these words i am the alpha and the omega says the lord god the one who is who was and who is to come the almighty that tells me he doesn't change that tells me that he was worthy yesterday he is worthy today and he will be worthy tomorrow and forevermore That's what we sang in those songs. I hope that you meant it from your heart as we sang it. As Chris Tomlin says in his song, Is He Worthy? It's a very simple two-word answer. He is. He is is and that brings us to our passage today as we move forward through the book we're going to start doing more than one chapter at a time and as we do today we're going to be looking both revelation chapter 4 and revelation chapter 5 and for most of them i'll tell you what i'm not going to read them because they're really really long but today i felt it was important that we read both full chapters so if you want to If you are able, it's going to be both full chapters. You can stand with me as you read. If you choose not to, I'm not going to be offended. But we're going to be reading in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And it'll be up here on the screen as we read. This is John talking after this i looked he said that's after the seven letters he said and there in heaven was an open door the first voice that i had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and i will show you what must take place after this immediately i was in the spirit and there was a throne in heaven and someone was seated on it and the one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne around the throne were 24 thrones and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their head flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne seven fiery torches were burning before the throne and which are the seven spirits of god something like a sea of glass similar to crystal was also before the throne four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne and on each side the first living creature was like a lion the second living creature was like an ox the third living creature had a face like a man and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle each of the four living creatures had six wings and they were covered with eyes around and inside day and night they never stopped saying these words holy 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 lord god the almighty who was who is and who is to come whenever the living creatures give glory honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne the one who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever they cast their crowns before him and say this our lord and god you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created jump to chapter five Then I saw at the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the seated one on the throne. When? he took the scroll the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for god by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation you made them a kingdom and priest to our god and they will reign on earth Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and all of the living creatures and the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything in them say, blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one who is seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped let's pray together father thank you for this word that you preserved and god may the words that come from my mouth be yours speak to us exactly what you want us to hear and challenge us to apply it to our lives pray in your name amen you guys can be seated as we continue in this passage and the rest really of the letter of the seven churches because revelation isn't just seven individual letters it was an entire letter to those same seven churches please remember this it's all about jesus this book is about jesus and that is the focus that i am going to take see you and i we may or may not disagree about the timeline of revelation whether it's linear whether it's cyclical whatever there's all different things out there you know what those are secondary those are secondary because it's going to happen and when it does nobody's going to say hey guess what i was right (laughs) nobody's (laughs) going to say it it's going to happen but here's what we do need to remember and we cannot disagree with on is this the focus is jesus it's his authority his power his majesty and as we'll see today his worthiness to be worshiped and this passage i'll tell you what as i read it did you hear all the symbolic imagery that was in there i'm not going to talk about any of it that's what google's for okay so jump jump into jump into those uh, those commentaries and things because there's numbers of creatures and elders and all sorts of things with golden lampstands and all kinds of golden bowls poured out and the prayers are the same and we can look at all those things but today I chose to look at one thing and that one thing is worship because this passage gives us three very specific things that we need to see very clearly when it comes to worship and the first thing i want you to see as we look at this passage is this worship at its very core is theological it's theological now you might be looking at that word go man theological is a big word theological is very simple it's theology any other ology means study of theos is god worship is our study of god because those who know god best worship him the most those who know god best worship him the most it's impossible to worship god if you don't really know him and since true worship is a response to our knowing of god the more we know the better we can worship the more we know the better we can worship or even more so the more we know we can give him the worship that he's due Because when we know him better, we know how much he's due. When we look at this passage, the truth of the matter is, the angels and the creatures and the elders and all their eyes and all of the things that they have described in the six wings and all that, the thing that we need to see is this. They all know God and they all know worship and they all know Jesus better than we do. You know why? Because it's tied to how they respond. Their knowledge of God is, is applied in how they do it. So my question for you today is, is how well do you know God? How well do you know God? And how can you get to know him better? How can you get to know him better? So you get to know him better by being in his word. And as you read his word, you'll know him better. And the more you know, the better you will worship. So I'm afraid we have a generation of people who call themselves Christians who really don't know God. They think worship is coming together and singing some songs and maybe hanging out and doing a little TED Talk kind of thing. But it's so much more than that. The reality is, is worship is life. Worship is life and where and what we bow our knee to and give our priority in our life to is what we really worship. We can say one thing, but like I said, our lives scream what we actually do. True worship is all about knowing God and responding Personally, to that knowledge with our entire lives. That is how we worship. One quick side note, and you may have heard me say it a thousand times, so here's a thousand and one. Worship is about God. It's not about us. It's not about our preferences. It's not about the songs that we like to sing. It's not about our wants. It's not about our feels. It truly is all about Him. It's about knowing Him the four creatures get it the four creatures get it because listen to what they say about god in revelation 4:8. it's a theology lesson all in itself it's a study of god lesson all in itself the first thing they say they talk about his holiness and in his holiness they say holy 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 lord god you know what they're saying the word holy means set apart that god three times is set apart he is pure and he's different than any single one of us the second part you throw is it the almighty holy 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 lord god the almighty they're talking about his sovereignty they're talking about his sovereignty over all creation that he is the king of kings that he is the lord of lords that he knows all he sees all and his authority is over all they're laying this out and remember they're repeating this over and over and over again i want you to remember something this book This letter was written to real churches with real struggles. Real churches that were seeing the ramping up of persecution against each and every one of them along the way. They were being beaten, they were being killed, they were being rejected, they were a whole lot worse all because they were following Christ. This book was a reminder to both them and to us that God is almighty, that he is in control and that he reigns everything we deal with here in our lives does not go unnoticed by God he knows the primary question I'm going to talk about tomorrow at the memorial service is is a question that I've had since Tuesday Tim and I talked about it on Tuesday and that is where is God in all of this where is God in all of this and that might be a question that you guys have as well I'm going to give you the quick answer I'll give you a little bit more detailed answer tomorrow but it's this he's right here He's with us. He's with us. Matthew 28 promises, I will be with you always until the very end of the age. He is with us. The book of Revelation tells us he walks among the lampstands. He is with us. See, he knows every circumstance and he's in control of every circumstance. There's not a single thing that catches God by surprise. We as worshipers actually find great comfort in that statement the third thing holy 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 lord god the almighty the next words were this who was who is and who is to come we've already touched on this but he's saying i don't change tie that into his sovereignty tie that into his authority over all and he doesn't change the fourth thing they say actually comes from chapter 4 and verse 11 the elders actually say it it says this our lord and god you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you've created all things And by your will, they exist and were created. They're saying, He's the creator. He is worthy of our worship because He is the creator. See, they've cast their crowns down at this point, saying, He is worthy of our worship because without Him, we wouldn't exist. Every breath I take is because He allows it, He has a plan. He knows from the beginning up till now and forevermore, He knows. See, there's plenty of things in this world, I think, that have really tried to undercut who God is, the existence of God, why we would worship God. But in my lifetime, I'd say one of the things that I see most clearly is is an attack on who God is and what it is, I'll just be honest, I think it's the evolutionary theory. And as you look at that, you can say, well, well, what about, and we can get into all the semantics another time, but, but here's the reality. The evolutionary theory removes God from the equation. And when you remove God from the equation, you remove the value of life. And when you remove the value of life, you remove the truth that you are here on purpose for a purpose. And when you remove that fact, you also remove the fact that every child born and in the womb was created with a purpose and for a purpose and you remove those things and somebody's got to be on the throne and you know who's going to jump onto the throne you are you're going to jump onto the throne you're going to begin to worship self and that's what we have as we look at our world today a whole lot of worshiping self with no care and no desire to value life around us and i want to tell you in Jesus. You have someone who values your life. He gave his life for it. And we have someone we can put our trust in with our life. We have someone we can commit our soul to. He isn't based on human opinions. He wasn't created. He doesn't change with the opinions that we have. His goodness isn't dependent on us or our circumstances. See, sometimes we're told, well, if I just worship a little harder, things will go better for me. If I just do this, then God will respond. But that's a false gospel. I told you one of the things that they had to see in those those seven churches is they had to see the false gospel. They're going to tell you that what you worship or how you worship will determine the monetary blessings you get in your life. But can I tell you this? That's not even close to true worship is not about us it's not about what we can get or even what we can keep it's called the prosperity gospel and i'll tell you this right now the prosperity gospel is just like some marrying somebody for their money the prosperity gospel says i'm going to have a relationship with god as long as i can get something out of the deal we got something out of the deal something that we could never get unless God gave it to us. It's the true relationship that drives us to worship, and that is that we have been blessed for anything so much more than we could ever ask for materially. Kind of the middle end of chapter five, verse nine, it says these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Our blessing is Jesus. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Everything else that he's given us is just icing on the cake, and he is worthy of our worship, not just because he is Jesus, but also because what Jesus has done. We have eternal life. We have hope. Remember, these these churches being persecuted, they needed hope, and we had hope because Jesus shed his blood to pay the price for our sin. In our theology, it's more than just knowing God and knowing about who God is, but it's also about knowing what God has done, because what God has done should drive us to worship. That truth should drive us. Can I challenge you today, just in that first point, to know both who He is and what He has done better? Can you study His Word? Can you apply it? Can you live it? So, just the first part, that worship. At its core, it's theological. Second thing is, is worship is involved. Worship is involved. It's hands-on. Worship is an action. It's practice. It's us doing what we should do, saying what we should say, being what we should be towards God and in obedience to God. That is worship. These two short chapters, we see four things that worship involves. In those four things, I could go into way heavy detail here but for time's sake i'm just going to kind of go through them pretty quick first is this true worship involves purity where does this worship take place in revelation takes place in heaven heaven is a place without sin the worship is pure obviously we don't have that here we don't we don't have that here but how do we get to that how do we get that pure worship well i read this week about purity and worship this is what the author said he said purity in our lives is not measured in absolutes but instead degrees that is while we as christians are positionally pure in god's eyes the condition of our lives sometimes is not always as what it should be guilty It not what we should be but because we live in a sin-filled world that is always tempting us we have to work through the power of the holy spirit to be pure and to be have our our hearts and lives really fall into that purity because i will tell you from personal experience and my guess is you could you could agree with me and walk with me through this the best worship i have is when i find myself without all the junk between me and god when that junk has been removed from my life, from the, 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 the impurities of all the things the world has thrown at me, when I've, when I've had that removed or at least lessened, my worship is better. My worship is better. Your worship isn't a fake it until you make it kind of thing. It's what Jesus told us in the seven letters. One word, turn from yourself. It's to Repent repent it's such a hard thing to do isn't it cuz it means i have to humbly put myself aside turn from my ways to god's ways well that's what the next step in this true worship is and it involves humility not just purity but humility throughout the passage you see the elders falling down and worshiping the elders man they according to verse 4 of chapter 4 they were found in high regard there's 24 elders they got to sit on twenty-four thrones. They had crowns on their head, crowns that that they had basically earned in the the way they had lived their lives. And they were wearing white clothes, white clothes of righteousness. Yet, where do we find them on their faces? Because they saw God for who He is, and they also saw themselves for who they are. They realize they're not greater, and they're most certainly not equal to God. Remember those who know God best worship him the most true worship also involves surrender not only did the elders fall down and worship they also cast their crowns before the throne god wasn't only just worthy of a part of them he was worthy of all they got off their thrones to worship they laid down their accomplishments they laid down the positions they laid down the possessions they laid down their rewards all at the feet of god why because he's worthy I'm not sure if you grew up in the church or not, but one of the songs we used to always sing as a, as a closing uh, invitational song was, I Surrender All. And my guess is I can probably start talking it because I will not be singing it. Yeah, I heard the amen. You guys know me well enough then. But it goes like this. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence, I will daily live. I surrender all. And the other guy, that's a real deep voice. we like, I surrender all. You, know, <laughs> you guys remember it, right? Sometimes we lose the songs that we know too well and the truth that is in them theologically. That we surrender all. They surrender all because, well, it goes back to the fact that all that I am and all that I have and all that I've ever had is because of him is because of him without him i would be nothing and i would have nothing i trust him with my life and as i trust him with my life i trust that he is worthy of my everything so therefore i surrender all true worship also involves praise praise at the foundational level is speaking the excellence of god it is our hallelujah as a matter of fact uh, i'm going to jump ahead in revelation just a little bit we're not going to get to revelation 19 until easter it's kind of fun marrying the resurrected king with the returned king in the same message. It's gonna be fun, so make sure you're here and make sure you invite somebody to be a part of that. But let me read for you two verses from Revelation chapter 19. Verses four and five it says this. Then the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who is seated on the throne. Look what they are saying. Amen, which means I agree, and hallelujah, praise be to God a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all his servants, and the ones who fear him, both great and small. Praise is what we are created for. It's not just a service. It's not just a song. It's not just a positive thing you say during prayer time. Hey, I got to praise. Those are all parts of it. But praise is a lifestyle. And it goes back to the initial question. Who is Jesus to you? Your answer will drive whether you live a lifestyle of praise or not. So we have worship as theological. We have worship as hands-on and involved. The third and final thing I want you to know is that true worship is personal. It's personal. It isn't just something we do. It isn't just who we are as a part of a church. It's who we are as individuals. It's how we live. It's really how we determine how we live our lives. How you live your lives will determine and show what you worship. True worship is our ongoing response to the worthiness of God. I want you to listen to verse 12 of chapter 5 again. It says this, it says, They, and they was the thousands upon thousands of angels, plus the creatures and the elders. They said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, as I look at this right here, I know we're getting close to being out of time, but I just have a quick question for you. It's this. If Jesus, who's the lamb that we're seeing here, is all powerful, we've covered that, if he's all knowing, we've covered that. If he doesn't need anything because he is the creator of all things, he doesn't need anything. Why is he worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom? What are the elders and the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels and the creatures saying? What is the question that they're throwing out there? What's this? It's our power, it's our wisdom. It's our lives. It's our everything. Jesus is worthy to receive our everything. And that is what they're trying to say here. It is personal. He is worthy for us to give him everything we have and not for our glory and not for our honor and not to say, look what I gave, but instead, God, it's yours anyway. I don't need to hold on to this stuff too tight because it is yours anyway. That is why Romans chapter 12, verse one says these words. It's ones that if you grew up in a wanna you had to memorize this it says this therefore brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of god you know what the mercies of god are it's who he is and what he's done goes back to revelation that we've already talked about i urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god what is it it's our true worship this is our true worship. Worship is how we live our lives. It is personal. It's who we are before God. It's who we are in public, and it's who we are in private. It's who we are internally, and it's who we are externally. It's who we are as a spiritual act. It's also who we are as a physical act. So I have to ask you this question one more time. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he worthy of your worship or are you one who's just going through the motions? Is he worthy of your worship? Or are you just going through the motion? Is there junk in your life that is getting in the way of truly worshiping him? If there is, what is keeping you from repenting? Is it yourself? What do we have to get the junk out? I want to pray. And I'm going to ask you in this prayer to just talk to god because i know there are things inside right now inside of myself and i assume inside of you that go god seriously what are you doing and i'll tell you the answer he's shaping us and molding us into who he wants us to be we may not like the way he's doing it but that's exactly what he's doing My challenge is as we pray to ask God to continue to do so and to open your hearts and minds to allow him to work in you. Let's pray together. Father, thanks again for today. And thanks again for the opportunity just to even come before you and worship you. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Only you are. But you, in your worthiness, in your mercy, in your grace, sent your son to live as a perfect being, as a perfect human being a perfect sacrifice because he didn't just live but he died he died for my sins and every sin in this room and every sin in this world and then he defeated death by raising again and sitting at the right hand of your throne we're so grateful for it but god there's a response that has to happen to that there's a response that we have to lay our lives down to be that living sacrifice And God, that's hard. It's hard in a world that is trying to reject you, that's trying to remove you, that's trying to push you away, to live for you in such a way. I pray for strength. I pray for wisdom. I pray for guidance. I pray for direction. I pray that you get the glory through it all. If there's anybody in this room today, Lord, that doesn't know you, that when they say, who is Jesus to you, they just don't know the answer. I pray today as they find out what that answer is. And for those who say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I pray today is the day that we get the junk out of the way and we can worship you as you deserve. We pray it in your name. Amen. Guys, during our closing song that we're going to sing, again, chosen on Monday. It's a song called Build My Life. And Build My Life starts off with these words. It says, worthy of every song I could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise I could ever bring Jesus you are worthy of every breath I could ever bring we live for you we live for him can I challenge you today to sing this as both a prayer and a praise that God would direct you in that seeing that he is worthy